you are listening to the Josh Trains Me podcast. Okay. Just me here. This is going to be a podcast where I go over a bunch of a bunch of things that people have been messaging me about and a bunch of concepts that I think are really key. So if you want to get a good idea of the concepts and principles that I believe in or kind of daily thoughts, you should add me on Twitter. It's Josh Chessman, or actually it's at Chessman Josh on Twitter. I recently posted something that I'm going to start with, and this is my three non-negotiables. The three non-negotiables I put are be vulnerable, be intentional, and have grit. So if you listen to the first episode of this podcast, you'll probably understand that there's a similarity there or actually quite a strong correlation. Those are the three things that I wanted to try to get out of each podcast. And I don't claim to be, you know, super great at interviewing people or talking with people or even being a, being a great speaker, but the ideas, I think it's important to, you know, get these ideas rocking around in people's heads so that they can gain some some more satisfaction, um, some more happiness, some more connection, and uh, to keep things fun and interesting too. Because like like some of you guys, I like to think a lot, and that can be a downfall, but I like to think of it as a strength. So hopefully you do too. Be vulnerable. What I mean by that is I have noticed that I can connect with people better, whether that's client-trainer relation, um, family, partners, new friends, whatever it is, when there's a level of vulnerability. I think Bernice Brown said it probably best, but I'm going to paraphrase because I don't remember what she said. And I think that vulnerability is the gateway to connection. I'm literally just looking at my phone on my Twitter as we go here. I'm not uh, not quoting any Brene Brown directly. I know she had her PhD, I think, in shame and she has a book about vulnerability um courage is no what's that one she has daring greatly that's it courage is calling is ryan holiday so i think there needs to be a level of vulnerability in order to have connection i truly think that and i'm curious to see what you guys think but where i think that that comes in as as a coach is Having some boundaries around that, I think this is probably the most challenging part of being a coach and having this, having this uh, non-negotiable being be vulnerable. There's a little bit of vulnerability needed, I think, and then there's also a lot of listening. And I don't know that there's always a place where I need to um, demonstrate or explain a personal example, but... I think vulnerability is really, really key. One of the ways that has helped me practice being vulnerable, because it's one thing just to say it, it's one thing that's, you know, one of the issues I think we have with social media and that is that we can just say anything like here I am just saying stuff all day. And there's people that say more stuff than me. And there's people that say less things than me. And I mean, there's almost 8 billion people on this planet. And I think around half of us, or maybe it's like five, what is it? 4 billion people have access to internet. That's about to change. So there's a lot of people saying a lot of things and I am one of those people. And I think it's important to back that up. 
So when I say be vulnerable, there's a men's group I'm a part of. I go there every week. It's three hours a week. It's a great commitment. I think to do something for three hours a week is it's strong. It's awesome. If you can fit that in, awesome. If you can be a part of a, a group like that, whether it's a men's group or a women's group, whatever sex, whatever gender you identify with, I can say personally that it's helped me a lot. And I think in the future, I will try to be a part of uh, leading some more groups like this. I know that's one thing that we talk about in the group is needing the people need these spaces. And, you know, it's hard to have more than 10, 15 people in a group from my experience in the group we're in. So more, more leaders need to step up to start more groups, but in order to be a leader, you need to be practicing, you know, the, the ideals or the principles or, you know, be the right kind of person. The second thing is be intentional. I think this is just an element for life. I think being intentional has brought me a lot of life satisfaction and it sort of reminds me being intentional reminds me of the times where I'm <laughs> not being intentional or of the times where I'm just getting distracted. Distraction could be an intention as well. Just so you know, being intentional is not synonymous with like always working super hard kind of fits into that, but being intentional is having an idea of a reason to do something. The three non-negotiables, number three is have grit. So I just launched a program and basically just launching a program called grit 1.0. So this word is resonating with me hard. And this word covers a lot of what I think the program covers, which is why I called it grit 1.0. And another reason why it's one of my non-negotiables, I think there's tons of times throughout our days, throughout our lives where we can um, act with grit or express grit, like move with grit and workouts happen to be one of those accessible things for most people where we can choose to choose to act with fucking grit, whether that means trying a little bit harder or giving up less or giving up, not as suddenly or not giving up or fighting through a little bit longer what do we say grit is perseverance or endurance and time. Maybe that was what suffering is. Those words are very synonymous. Tweet two. Want to become more capable, recognize the challenge, smile and accept. This is fucking grit, by the way, I think. I think this is how I've become more capable with fitness. Um, I think this is how I've become a little more capable as a dad, recognizing a challenge, smiling and accepting it. I need to give a props to Dan Groudon for this smile, because I remember one time, this is a guy that I used to train and work with great athlete, uh, dad as well. And he told me that one person that he used to train with, I believe Used, they used to do these really intense cycling intervals. And I believe the story is he looked over at her and she had a huge smirk on her face during this, like during the, the like fucking depths and the pit of the workout where it was just grueling. And I think if you can find a way to smile during discomfort, 
there's definitely some tricks it plays on your brain, which can make it seem less uncomfortable. I just want to thank my sponsor, Michelob Ultra. Light beer. I have been drinking non-alcoholic beer lately, by the way. We'll get into that later. So here's the simple, here's the simple steps for this. If you want to be more capable, because this is something that I talk about a lot, and this is something that several of my clients are wanting to become more capable, more resilient, um, more tough, more um better endurance, better fitness, but just like, just be more dependable, more accountable, be able to do more shit. So I think one of the first steps, this will be a course eventually, but one of the first steps is just being aware that there's a challenge being presented to you. And if you can acknowledge that, be, be aware that there's a challenge being presented, acknowledge that, smile and accept. There's that smile right? Trick your brain into thinking it's going to be easy and just say yes. If you have the capacity, if you want to build your capacity, you'll have to say yes more. Saying yes to things means you're saying no to other things as well. Tweet number three, it's not so much the thing as it is all the little things before it. So the example is you want to face adversity and become more capable. Stop complaining about the weather every single fucking day. All right. So I'm, I'm reading my tweets out. Right. And I have like, I pretty much use Twitter as a journal. I don't even know how to use Twitter, but I like this thought Weather, you know, weather is one of those things that we all talk about. It's an easy way to connect with people. Uh, we all kind of know what's going on. It's, it's relatable, blah, blah, blah. I think it is a huge issue. The way we talk about weather and the way, the way in which we, or it's not the fact that we want to connect. That's great. But it's, it's the method. I, I think the more we complain, the more we're practicing complaining. And I think if you want to be more capable and better at facing adversity, I think we need to stop complaining as much. So I'm someone that hasn't had to face, uh, you know, I don't have an epic story of like Francis Naganu, you know, escaping the desert, like all this crazy shit. I don't have any like near death experiences, like a lot of, a lot of people that would talk about, you know, facing adversity. So I want to make sure I stay in my lane a little bit, but I also want to say, you know, a lot of us, even if we're living slightly more normal or common lives, we still all face adversity. So to support my, uh, my reason for saying this, we need to stop complaining about the weather and we need to embrace the weather. The weather is a great opportunity for us to feel different stimulus, to connect with nature and to become more comfortable by exposing ourselves to more discomfort. So it's raining. It's like, yeah, great. So you're going to get wet. Like that's all it is. You're going to get wet. So it's snowing. Okay, so it might be a little cold, getting some snow on your face. So it's hot. It's like, great, you're going to sweat more. You know, unless you're on the extreme sides of these things where, you know, you get heat, heat, heat stroke every time you go outside or you, you know, you have some type of like disability where you can't do this stuff. Like, 
I don't know, 95% of people just complain, but then they also want more, but then they, they don't do anything about it. And I would actually say that more people are doing something about it by complaining. Here's what I mean by that. They may not be actively doing something towards it. You know, so say most people want to live more happy, fulfilling lives, and a lot of people want to lose weight. So say you're overweight and you're unhappy. By complaining about something, you're actually working against yourself. So it's a little bit like one step back because it doesn't seem as though in this example, there's any steps forward. So by complaining and avoiding the adversity or by avoiding the opportunity to do something, you're actually taking a step back. So I would argue that it's actually worse to do that than it is neutral. So if you're someone that wants to become more capable, you need to start recognizing that things can be opportunities and that you're going to be okay. We're not talking about anything life-threatening here. We're talking about things that everyone faces day to day, and a lot of people choose to complain about it. If you're the kind of person that can put up with you know, changes in weather, you're going to be really well off because it's not going to shake you too much. Become unshakable. That's really what I'm talking about. Tweet number five. If, you're like, if your life sucks and you don't want it to suck, then you need to change it. Isn't that the truth? I don't really have any much, anything else to say to that. Here's something I'm going to mention here. Okay, tweet number six. There are a lot of issues in our society, and I see a huge issue being men. I am a man. I identify as a man. Men don't have great role models. Men don't have courage. Men that don't have courage, pardon me. Then there's men that are too scared to be vulnerable, and there's men that are mentally fragile. So there's a couple of concepts here. Um, kind of one concept is men that are lacking courage and men that are also too scared to be vulnerable. I talked about the vulnerability piece, and I think that that's really, really important. And I think that we're mentally fragile because we, you know, we don't feel comfortable. We don't feel safe to be vulnerable and we don't feel safe to be vulnerable in order to be courageous and we feel fragile. So we don't really do anything. Um, I think it stems down from, there's a, there's a great, uh, a great speaker named Jackson Katz that talks about gender-based violence. This is a little bit off topic, but he is one of these people that I really like listening to. Um, and he talks about uh, gender-based violence. So violence uh, uh, um, around women being a men's issue, not a women's issue. And what I'm stealing from that is men don't have great role models. So I said in this tweet that I see a huge issue um, in our society being men. And I think as a man, part of the reason why I've you know, decided to post so much and to try to be more um, expressive on social media and these, you know, alternative platforms is because I technically am in a, a position of, um, I don't know if power is the right word. People do follow me and I, I coach people and I'm a dad. So I'm technically in a position of, of power in some ways, not to sound elitist, but you know, having a son, I am in a position of power. He's my responsibility. I'm in a position of responsibility. I think that that might be a better way to say it than a position of power. Um, I think I'm in a, I've put myself in a position of responsibility because I see that there's a big issue in, you know, I don't know, 
Canadian, maybe American society. I'm, I'm certainly not talking globally. I don't have the, uh, the awareness to talk globally. But at least in our culture, there's a huge issue with men being poor role models, which subsequently I think makes other men lack courage, lack vulnerability, and become mentally fragile. So I think that's one of the reasons why when I post about this stuff being more capable and being more resilient and strong and better endurance and complaining less, I think that um, I think that's where my heart is, is, is leading by example and helping other men so that they have truthfully, so it's, so they have easier lives, you know, train hard so you can live easy. The gym, coaching, training, being coached, these are ways that we can interact with all these kinds of concepts and become better people. And these are ways that we can, you know, quote unquote, train hard. We can go through some of the shit so that we widen our perspective and so that we widen our um, sort of container of what comfort is. Uh, let's go with this one. Yeah, our society is softer than a soup sandwich. Yeah, I think it is in a lot of ways. Although, you know, I think that, that that's just a great line soup sandwich. But I, I do hear of, here's a great story. There's a book called Running on Empty. I think, I forget, I forget where I got that. Simply put, it's a book about this guy who's like mid-50s. What's going on with this friggin' video? This guy's in his mid-50s. He's an endurance athlete, meaning he chose to start doing endurance training. He wasn't necessarily born, like not at all. He started when he was uh, middle age. Started doing endurance races, uh, running specifically. Slowly got longer, longer, longer. There's this ultra marathon called Badwater, which is a 135-mile race across the it's in cal across death valley in california which i believe is one of the if not the hottest place on earth i think it's something around like 50 degrees celsius so to just to give you some context because a lot of people that listen to this podcast aren't endurance junkies and don't follow ultra marathons this bad water i mean they're Fuck, it sounds crazy, but this bad water event is something that you have to qualify for. You can't just, you know, be gung ho and, and show up to the start line. Uh, I'm pretty sure you still have to qualify. So you have to qualify. I mean, you have to be an elite runner anyways. Then you do this 135 mile run across pavement with elevation. There's tons of elevation. In it. There's a mountain range you go through. I think it's the second half of 135 miles. And you are, I just, I just, I don't know. I've never done it. I can't imagine what that feels like, but you get the context 135 miles across the desert and it's a running race. This guy in the book did that, right? He qualified, he did that event. Then he also did that race, which is 135 miles. And he did it four times consecutively. So he essentially went point A to point B, which is 135 miles. Then he went point B to point A. Then he went A to B, then B to A. So it ended up being like 500 and, uh, what was it? 
275. Yeah. So it's like 546 miles or something like that. And he did it. So he did it four times back to back, four times consecutively. So strung it together. And what's really common in these races, from what I've heard, because I haven't done anything that extreme, is you have a crew. So you have people that are basically set up to be your like intra coach. They, you know, they give you water, I guess, as much as you would need it. You'd need so much water. I can't imagine uh, running for that long in the heat. So they give you water, they give you food, they help you with, yeah, I don't know, first day, like the whole kind of shebang, all the things you can imagine, mindset, all those types of things. This guy carried all his own provisions in a 200 pound wagon. So not only did he do it four times back to back, but he carried all of his own provisions without having a crew. So what I'm getting at is society is soft, but you know what I'm realizing the people that aren't soft are the people you don't know about and the people that I don't know about. I don't claim to be a super mentally tough person. I like to uh, broaden my broaden my comfort zone by subjecting myself to more discomfort. And I think it makes me, allows me to live uh, an easier life by doing harder stuff. But I mean, this is next level stuff and there's tons of examples of that. And I bet I, I could mention his name again and 99, 99 out of hundred people would not know who that is. And there's tons of examples of different crazy shit like this. Um, so what I'm saying is our society is soft, my perspective, but there's tons of people walking around that are probably hard as fuck. And you wouldn't know about it because they're so humble and they're not doing it for the accolades or the, you know, the recognition or whatever they're doing it for whatever. I need to be interviewing more of these people, get more of them on the podcast. Um, Here's a little thing for you to nibble on. Yes, I also, yeah, I think our society is soft, but you know what a classic example of not being soft is, is women giving birth. And maybe you're a woman that has given birth, props to you, mom, props to Brie, props to all people in my family that have given birth. Um, we all know tons of women that have given birth and like, Men aren't even set up to be able to tolerate that kind of pain. So this is why I say to some of my clients that have, that have uh, had kids, when we sometimes we'll go through certain clients, sometimes we'll go through exercises where we, um, I get them to write down um, all their accomplishments, right? For instance, it's, it's kind of like goal setting, but it's a little different. And then what we'll do is we'll, um, we'll write down a list of all the things that they've accomplished. So not goals necessarily, but the things that they have done. And this becomes like, there's different people call this a different thing, but this becomes essentially uh, a referenceable list of times that you were absolutely capable of doing something and you absolutely crushed something that a lot of people can't do. Right. So even in the case of this, you know, these women giving birth, you're doing something that no man can do. So I think that that if you're, if you're wanting an exercise out of this, that can be a really effective exercise to, oh, I call it the rainy day. There's a couple of exercises I call that, but the rainy day when you're feeling down, or maybe you're not feeling like focused or you're feeling like you can't do it, or like you want to give up, you reference that and you'll realize you're going to get the fuck up. 
Yeah, this is the next tweet. So how to gain mental toughness immediately reflect on what's been hard in your life and remind yourself of that and how you got through it. So that's exactly what I'm talking about. I posted again about that. It's a really effective exercise. Um, the sort of counter to that is an exercise I got from um, Tim Grover's book winning about Michael Jordan. The exercise I got out of there was uh, same type of list, same type of rainy day application, but you write down all your failures. I took it a little further and I wrote down all the things that I regretted. Um, I wrote down all my failures. I wrote down all of the things that I got really upset about in my life or that I still thought about or that I still was like, oh, fuck. And, uh, I rem I still have that. I kept it. So the exercise, you'd write all that stuff down. You actually want to keep that sheet because it's something that you can reference and they're both, whether it's your failures or your kind of like adverse moments, those are referenceable in order to help you get motivated. The failures one is really interesting. I did that before uh, an assault bike or an echo bike test. I was, uh, riding my echo bike in my laundry room which is if you're talking about crappy atmospheres for testing power, it, it would be a laundry room. And uh, my son was watching TV because I was looking after him. He was watching TV and the bike was right in front of him or right behind him. So I was looking at him watching TV, essentially crushing it on this bike. So I just heard, I basically had a kid's show, you know, a two-year-old cartoon in the background. That's what I was listening to. I didn't have headphones in. And I referenced this sheet, this, uh, failure sheet. And I, I won't get into that because that's pretty personal. Uh, maybe one day I will, but referencing all these things, uh, reading them all and then going on that bike. And I just remembered, I'm like, I'm going to think about these things when I'm in hell here. And it was a three minute uh, max calorie challenge, which I think is one of the hardest challenges. And that's what I thought about um, during that test was some of these things that really, really, really resonate with me. So if you need something that's really deep, that might provoke some emotion. That's a really good one to do. Write that down. Let's go with, uh, I'm going to read one more. And then, uh, I've had some questions about what I feel about how I feel about certain people in the fitness industry. Um, yeah, I'm going to talk about this for a minute. Suffering has a place in training just as it has a place in life. So, some of you guys may know I have a tattoo on my chest that says suffer. And certainly a lot of people ask me about it. I mean, you know, fair enough. The reason I got it was for me, it was, it was, a, it was a motivator. Um, I have positive. Um, I have positive association with the word to me. It doesn't mean like, um, you know, loss necessarily, or, uh, you know, heartbreak, anything like that. Uh, this is where it kind of gets interesting because I think we can have positive connotation or positive association with certain words. So for instance, suffering or discomfort, like I think the word, you know, discomfort or being uncomfortable in terms of like, you know, in this container of the fitness industry, I think it's, fairly accepted. I'm not sure if suffering is to the same degree, but I would lump those in as very similar words. So just as I've said a few times, 
I think the more comfortable we get with being uncomfortable, the more comfortable our lives get. But I think it's just like a, the analogy is it's just like a muscle, right? You need to keep training it. Um, just because you, you know, you get big muscles or you train to get bigger muscles doesn't mean they'll always be big. You have to keep training them to a certain extent in order to maintain that. And, uh, that's why I think suffering has a place in training because, um, for, for a lot of people, not, not for every single person, not everyone has to do grueling shit in order to prove to themselves that they can do stuff. Um, there's other ways you can do it, but you know, I'm a coach. So that's a lot of what I talk about is, is the actual fitness and physical training. It's not exclusively, but it's, it's a lot of it. And I think it's just such a good reminder for people. Um, and it's a reminder you can't get from a coach telling you, you know, I can't tell you that you're capable. You have to prove it to yourself. It's, it's an action thing. So if you can suffer a bit, go through some shit where you're like, holy shit, I'm not sure. I'm uncertain if I can do this or, you know, I second guess myself. That's a place where there's a lot of growth, right? Um, challenge brings change and suffering has a place in training because it is a, it is a opportunity for there to be some awareness that it will increase your confidence if you can recognize that there's suffering and if you can overcome it you can get through it okay let's see some of these people i didn't even know so i'm going to jump ships um i've got a few messages about uh, over the past i don't know two months or something um popular people in the fitness industry they've asked me kind of what i thought about them um some of these people i don't have any opinions on because i don't know even if i know them but i made a little list let me find this. The first one was, um, oh yeah, the knees over toes guy. Okay. So, um, yeah, I remember hearing about this guy and I remember hearing about this guy on, I don't know where it was. He's been on a lot of podcasts, so he's doing a good job with that. And, um, Total, like initially, yeah, totally got the concept. I get the concept knees over toes. It's, you know, it's a, it's based on a, on a miss. It's based on a myth, essentially uh, like misinformation that uh, for a long time, I think maybe that was that cue was really prevalent in like the nineties or something uh, that you shouldn't squat, you know, do any type of squat, back squat, front squat, overhead squat with your knees over your toes. And it was the whole concept was that um, I wasn't a part of this, but the whole concept was that you put, you do more damage to your knees if your knees pass your toes. So I still hear people, um, you know, uh, sort of ingest that myth and think that it's, uh, the proper way to do it. It's definitely not. Um, but this is this whole concept or a lot of the concept. What I, what do I think about them? I, I was actually a little bit upset initially. Cause I was like, what a sellout, man. Um, that was my initial thought and I'll, I'll explain how this changed, but the initial thought was what a sell Like this is such a fucking simple myth that he's, uh, he's capitalizing on. But as I started looking at more of his stuff, I realized that, um, he's giving good information and he's helping people. So that's, that's really what I care about. Um, I learned some of these principles of like, um, knees over toes in, in a course I took probably 10 years ago. 
a functional muscular assessment course taught by a chiropractor. And the whole idea is that when your knees are over your toes in a squat, um, you actually recruit more uh, muscle fibers around your in your glutes, but around your knees as well, your vastus medialis, that teardrop shape on the inside of your quad. And if we don't use it, we lose it. So if we don't use range of motion and train range of motion, then we can get more hurt. Uh, we can increase our rate of injury and we aren't as capable. So range of motion is pretty important, especially as we're aging or especially in the aging population. He has some really cool stuff around um, kind of bulletproofing other joints as well, which is cool. So that's awesome. So what do I think about it? I'm like the, not all the information that he's, um, you know, talking about is new. Uh, I'm aware of quite a bit of it, but he does have some cool concepts. So that was neat to hear that. I'm it's cool when people reach out and uh, ask me what I think about people. Cause a lot of the times they're just good ideas that I can share more too. Uh, Mark Bell was one of the other ones. Cause I have mentioned him and stuff and I, uh, I've tried to get him on the podcast. I don't know if he gave me his real number, but he did give me his number one time or whoever runs his social media gave me a number one time and I texted and nothing happened. So I like Mark Bell. Um, yeah, Mark Bell's Mark Bell's cool. Um, he obviously was a huge, uh, huge part of the powerlifting community. Um, for me growing up, he was a big inspiration because he was, uh, he was another one of these guys like really pushing shit, um, really popularizing some training methods and really popularizing working hard and uh, training hard. Slingshot is a cool product he came out with. I think he's a good speaker. I think he's, uh, I, I like how active he is on social media and um, in media. I think it's great. Uh, yeah. No, he's cool. I want to get him on the podcast. Um, he does have a video. That's probably one of my favorite videos that I ever watched. I used to watch it before I was, um, just like before the gym for a pump up video. And I forget what it's called, but I found it sort of recently and it has Metallica one, uh, that track in the back of it. And it's a really pump up song. It's him, Brandon Lilly. It's a bunch of power lifters and it's just a pump up video. Um, someone asked me what I thought of Michelle Lewin. And, um, I added her on Instagram after they, uh, mentioned her. So I didn't know who it was, but she's a Venezuelan bodybuilder. And I mean, she's really attractive. She has 10 million followers. So she's a bit of an influencer. Um, I don't, I don't really, she's not, she doesn't seem to be pushing things too much. So I don't really have much to like say about her content. Other than I think, you know, sex sells and attractive people can generally sell stuff a little bit easier, I think. Uh, not to discount her. She's, she might be saying and, you know, uh, doing a lot of cool stuff. I don't know. She did have a video where she was playing drums. So I got pumped about that. <laughs> Mark Cleary was on here. I like Mark. Yeah, Mark Cleary is cool. I used to work with him. And we were trainers at the same time. He's a good dude. He lives in Peterborough. If you guys need a boxing coach, boxing slash bodybuilding coach, uh, he's on there. He's in there. He's great. And then there was uh, two CrossFit athletes that I had on here. 
that someone asked me what I thought of them. So Rich Froning was the first one. So I've been following CrossFit for like, honestly, a pretty long time. I think since 2000 and well, I hired Chris Longo. Um, how old was I there? I think maybe like 24, I was about 24 years old. So maybe 10 years, 10 or 11 years. I've been following CrossFit. That's cool. I like CrossFit, by the way, this could be a whole separate podcast. Cause there's still people that I hear that don't like it. And that's cool. I don't, I don't care if you like it or not. No, I'm not endorsed. I, I like it. I like a lot of methods of training and I think it's a lot of fun and it's a cool community. I think there's some things that I disagree with too, but uh, anyway, the question was, what do I think of Rich Froning? Um, I don't know how to say this other than, you know, he was a role model and he's, he's inspirational because he's a pretty humble, I'd say very humble, um, crazy athlete. He's got a crazy physique. He super hard worker from what I see his diet was like borderline, absolutely terrible, which is always strange to, to hear and to share about someone that's such a good athlete and had such a shitty diet for so long. Um, like truly pretty crappy diet, which is wild. So I don't have anything bad to say, but Rich Froney, he's awesome. If you don't know who that is, he was, uh, he won the CrossFit games. Was it four years consecutively? Um, so an absolute monster, like anyone, man or woman that wins CrossFit, um, even, even that places and then wins consecutively is just, it's absolutely insane. The amount of fitness and genetics and work ethic you'd have to have in order to do that. And then the last person they uh, said was, what do I think of Matt Frazier? So I, uh, Matt Frazier, I've watched so many videos and so many interviews and stuff. Matt Frazier, again, it's CrossFit. So I like it. Um, he has an Olympic lifting background, like a, a weightlifting background, by the way, guys, just so you know, um, a lot of people are newer to fitness that are, that are watching this. This isn't a big deal, but when people say weightlifting, like the actual term weightlifting refers to Olympic weightlifting, which refers to Olympic weightlifting, which is snatching and clean and jerking. So when you watch the Olympics and it says weightlifting, there's only two exercises. It's snatch and clean and jerk. Sometimes there's a little variations to the clean and jerk, but that's a little term people misuse and that's not a big deal at all. But just if you're listening to this and you don't want to make that mistake again, weightlifting doesn't necessarily mean you're lifting weights. I know that's hard to understand. The correct term for that would be like resistance training, but does it really matter? Not at all. But anyway, Matt Frazier had a weightlifting background. He was the other guy that won. He won five years, I believe. Yeah, five years. And he got second place one year as well. So just absolutely dominant as hell. Um, uh, the, needless to say, great athlete, great physique. Training ethic was crazy. And I think if you're to learn anything from these types of people, there's no way you can be that good and be doing things for, um, for accolades or be doing things for attention. Like, I just don't think it would last. I don't think the, uh, the will would be strong enough. If your goal was, you know, I want to look good. So here's where I'm taking it back. If you have a big goal, right. And by big goal, I mean a goal that you're really serious about, but the reasoning for it, the why 
is for other people. And I don't mean like a spiritual um, reason, you know, whether it's God or a higher power or, uh, you know, to help other people to lead by example. I think that's a really flimsy why. I'm not saying it's it's not uh, not logical or anything like that, but I think you're you're probably going to find yourself unmotivated a lot more often than someone that connects their goal to either a higher power or they do it for a, like a real deep reason. Other than you know, I want to post shit and I want to look better on Instagram and stuff like that. That's a that's a pretty flimsy way, flimsy reason to have a goal. Go for it. Don't let me um, demotivate you. Don't let me discount why you're doing things. Just, uh, food for thought. If your goal is something that's serious and the why behind it is flimsy, uh, recheck it. If you're second guessing it from listening to this, then chances are it was a pretty flimsy goal and you might not even really want it. Thanks for listening. See you next time.